Good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? Good to see you. My name is Troy. Me and my wife, Darla, get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting with us this morning, we'd like to say welcome. Thank you for coming out in the rain, braving the storm, and being able to come and serve us this morning. If you call Victory Church your home, thank you again for coming. Good to see you. You look beautiful as I look around and look at faces. It's going to be a great morning. I want to take a second and celebrate you. I want to celebrate Victory Church because six months old and over the past 12 days, so not even two weeks, we have been so involved in the community that it doesn't even make sense. And so on July 3rd, you heard, we went and did a July celebration where for free we were able to face paint, do balloon animals and different things while other people were charging. We were able to do that for free and bless our community. And then yesterday, we had our serve day, right? Come on, church, let me hear you real quick. We had our serve day. And so we saw so many gather here, and we did two different projects. We had a group going to fire stations and giving fruit and, uh, 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 what was it, cookie baskets and loving on them. And you'll see some pictures. I don't know uh, do we, I don't know if we have the one. If you see the one of Nina holding an axe and getting dressed as a firefighter, I, I looked at that picture. I said, did we do anything positive for them, or did we just go and act a fool with them? And then we had another group stay here and do landscaping and different things to help the, the school be able to kind of bring up the way it looks and be able to help them out there. And so it was just an incredible day. And I remember I posted to our dream team, I said, listen, certainly it was incredible to see how many people came out. It was incredible to see all the work we did. But what really blessed me was the attitude in people as they were coming. It was 8 o'clock in the morning. It was hot. And everybody was here on purpose. Everybody was here with a purpose. We were at fellowship and hanging out. We had food and water and just having a great time. And so once again, as you hear Malcolm talk about growth track, you talk about the dream team, you want to be a part of the family that God's building here at this church. And so maybe you've been coming for a while and you're like, man, now's the time. Maybe you've never been here before and you're like, hey, I want to know what he's talking about. It's a great opportunity to get in a group with some people. We've got some really great stuff happening in August and September that you don't want to miss. And so it's just God doing a lot of great things through church. But I wanted to take a second and just honor you and say you were incredible. You did a great job. You are the bomb diggity and all those great things. Um, if you got your Bibles, do me a favor, open to the book of John, chapter 10. John chapter 10. If you don't have your Bibles, no big deal. We'll have it on the screen. You'll be able to follow through. I'm going to, this is going to be kind of the founding verse for today's message, but I am going to be jumping back and forth to different verses. So if you take notes, which we encourage you to do, take notes, feel free to write those verses down and go back and read them later in context and fully understand them and things like that. As you heard Brian say, we are bringing to close today a series called Seven, where we have been talking now for about seven weeks on how to better hear the voice of God. We know God's prepping us to do some great things coming up in the new school year, and we wanted to really spend this summer hearing God's voice and getting direction. And so we started that off with saying, hey, if you're going to hear God's voice, you need to know God's language. And so right off the bat, we came out saying, God, when God spoke to Jesus, he said, this is my son whom I love, and I'm well pleased. And so we said, everything God ever says to you will come through three things, affection, affirmation, and acceptance, right? That's God's language, acceptance, affirmation, and accept, or, uh, affection. And then we went through all the ways that God does does speak to us. So we talked about how God speaks through scripture, and God speaks through people, and God speaks through pain, and God speaks through the desires, and all these different things, and a couple of them that I'm not going to preach on that God speaks through. God speaks through our dreams. He speaks through our dreams. And then God speaks through nature and creation. And I'm not going to preach on those, but I, I really wanted to close it out talking about this. Now that you know God's language, and now you know how God speaks through and what God speaks through, now we need to know when we can recognize if it's God's voice or another voice, right? 
How many of y'all do the speak text? Anybody here do speak text with Siri? Y'all big on that? You know, I'm a big fan of this because you can multitask while you're texting people. You can drive while you text people, right? We don't want to promote that. But you can hit that little microphone and you can start talking and you just send out a text. But you would know if you've ever had somebody speak text you without critiquing what they send, right? You ever got one of those text messages where you had no idea what this person was talking about? You know, like, I love you pizza, you know, just just random stuff, and you have no idea what this person's talking about. It's because they spoke text, and they didn't proofread it, and they sent it off, and it didn't make sense because Siri didn't recognize their voice. And John 10, verses 3 through 5, says this, very profound thought. It says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep Listen to his voice. We're the sheep. His voice is God's voice. So we listen to God's voice. He, God, calls his own sheep, us, by name and leads us out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and watch this, and his sheep follow him because they what? Know his voice. Because we know God's voice. And here's the crazy part. But they will never follow a stranger. So the sheep follow God because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from the stranger because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. So according to this, we can know God's voice and at the same time know voices that aren't God because we don't recognize them to be God. So we can decipher between these are God's voices, this is the pizza I ate last night, this is God's voice, this is that friend I have who's always trying to lead me down, she's single, she wants me to be single, you know what I mean? Like we can separate God's voice and other voices. And so I figured if we're going to bring this to a close, the best way we could bring it to a close is this, to give you four tests, four tests that will provide a frame of reference where every time you hear something and you're wondering, was it God? Was it me? Was it the sushi? You know what I mean? When you're trying to figure out who you can put that into this frame of reference, and by these four tests, you can decode if it's God or if it's not God. You ready, church? Here we go. First test is the scripture test, all right? This is the number one test right off the bat. If you want to know if God's speaking, you can, you can put it beside God's word, 99% of the time, you can use just this test and you will know if it's God. Matter of fact, if what you're hearing doesn't pass this test, you don't need the other test, all right? If what you're hearing doesn't line up with the Word of God, you can stop right there. For example, if you're hearing a voice that's condemning you and you're wondering if it's God, Scripture says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Done. It's not God. Every time you hear a voice, is it God? Is it me? Is it fear? What is it? When you put it beside the word of God, you can know instantly because if it doesn't line up with the word, it's not God. Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the word of God is alive and active. There's a verse in the Bible that says long after we're gone, the word will still be, right? So it's alive and it's active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And watch this. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word of God judges your attitude and your thoughts. When you hear a voice, is that God? Let me put it up next to the word of God and I will know. And here's, here's why I can say that. Because God's voice, God's voice will never go against God's word. 
God's voice will never disagree with God's word. When I was a children's pastor, uh, we would do mission trips, and we went to a mission trip in Jamaica, and, you know, people, different people had different responsibilities, and my responsibility was to go with the head pastor, his name was Pastor Ron, and he would go and train Jamaican pastors, okay? So you had pastors who pastored all the churches in Jamaica, and they would come in, and he would train them, train them on how to preach, train them on how, you know, to budget, whatever it was. And I would go with him because at the end of that session, I would train them on how to do effective kids ministry. So for the most of the time, I would just kind of stand in the back while he taught for, you know, 85% of the time, and then I would come up at the end. So he's, getting, he's going through, he's talking, and he's trying to explain the importance in church in closing the back door. Now, here's what that means if you don't know church lingo. People come in the front door of the church, right? You come in, you welcome, you love it, you start, you know, attending services and making friends and all that, and then people sneak out the back door. They start to feel unappreciated, they start to feel disconnected, and they, they leave, and nobody sees them, and they move on, and that's what they call the back door, okay? That's kind of church lingo. And so he was trying to teach them, how do we close the back door? And he kept doing this. We need to close the back door. He's a real passionate guy, kind of kind of short. He just, we need to close the back door. And he was like, we need to slam it shut. We need to get the back door and slam it shut. And we don't ever need to open the back door again. We don't need to let anybody come to the back door. The back door is shut closed. And as he was doing this, I started to hear like little snickers, you know, kind of in the little, little laughs, little giggles. And these guys were professional, like they weren't there to, to kid around. You know, I don't know if you've ever been to church outside of the U.S., but people don't play. <laughs> people are ready for it. And so all of a sudden you could see these guys laughing and they're kind of talking to each other. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is, this is weird. And so it started to get, you know, the more he did it, the more we need to slam the back door. It started getting louder and louder and laughing. And so eventually they kind of stopped and, and he, he continued on and I did my part and the service was over. And our guide, the gentleman that's kind of there to to, to, you know, guide us around. He comes up and he goes, hey, did you hear those guys laughing during that one part of Pastor Ron's? I said, yeah, yeah, what, what was that about? And he goes, well, listen. He said, in, in our language, when you say the words back door, you're talking about rear end. In Jamaica, the back door is the bootay, Okay. And so every time he was saying we need to slam the back door, right, we, we, need, we need to close the back door, he was saying you need to close your back end. And so these guys, they knew. This is like, this is silly. It's hilarious. And the whole point was we didn't know their words. So our interpretation came off wrong, right? When you don't know God's word, the interpretation will come off wrong. A lot of times what we try to do is we try to twist Scripture to match what we want it to say. Right? Y'all ever seen this? You ever seen somebody try to take scripture out of context to support the sin they're doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I try to, you know, I'll see people in the gym and they're like lifting more weight than they should. Talking about, uh, you know, Christ who strengthens me. I'll be able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's like, no, you're going to die, okay? That's going to crush you, your, your head. You're going to die. Like, you can't take scripture out of context. There's a verse in Proverbs whenever Scout is at the gym and he's like, hey man, we should run on the treadmill. I just quote Proverbs where it says, only the wicked run when no one's chasing them. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, that's just it. I'll show you a verse. Watch this in Revelation 8.1. It says, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. If you took Scripture out of context, you could read that and go, there'll be no women in heaven. Did you catch that? Moving on. All right. You know, no, no, silence for a half hour. Y'all ain't never been silent. Okay, there we go. Okay, moving on. All right. There'll be no preachers in heaven either, okay? So that's fine. Don't worry about that. But... 
If we're not careful, we'll take it out of context. But we're supposed to be able to use it to dissect what we're hearing to know if it's God. For example, there was a time where the Pharisees tried to catch Jesus slipping. And so they started asking him questions about different principles. And here was his response to them. Have you not read the scriptures? I love that. They're trying to pick away what he's saying. He's saying, hey, it's already been said. Have you not read the scriptures? When Satan came to tempt him, what was his battle back? Scripture. We should be able to take everything we hear and run it through the scripture test. If somebody tells you something was from God, don't say, oh, I receive it. Go, hold on, let me go check my Bible. You know what I mean? We need to be able to run it by scripture. So if you're hearing something and you're wondering if it's from God, the first test for you is scripture. The second test is wise counsel. Wise counsel. We should all have godly counsel in our life. If you're wondering if God's speaking something to you, if you're wondering if you should do something, if you're wondering if you're hearing from God, you should be able to have a council of people that you can run that by and be able to hear their support. Look at what it says on this verse in uh, Psalm 1-1, or sorry, Proverbs 11-14. Where there is no guidance, the people fall, right? Where there's no guidance, the people fall. Here's my favorite part. But in abundance of counselors, there is victory. In abundance of counselors, there is victory. You should have an abundance of counselors in your life that are helping guide you when you are hearing from God. I have counselors in my life. When you go through Growth Track, they teach a little bit on this. So Pastor Mike Burnett, uh, uh, Pastor Ron Woods, Pastor Manzavino, Don Hardy, uh, Jeremy Austell. These are wise counsels that I have in my life that I can go to when I think I'm hearing from God or I think something I can say, hey, what do you think about this? We all need it. But listen, your wise counsel is not your party buddy, okay? Your wise counsel is not your single best friend. Your wise counsel is not your next door neighbor. You can't just pick random people. Your wise counsel has to have three attributes. Number one, they need to know God. Number two, they need to know God's word. And number three, they need to know you. Because when they know you, they know your tendencies. When they know you, they know your weaknesses, they know when you tend to try to scoot around things or when you try to do something even though you know it shouldn't be right. When someone knows God, knows the word, and knows you, they can truly give you godly counsel. How many of you have young children? Anybody, anybody here have young children? Young children? You can raise your hands. It's not a, something to be ashamed of, okay? Um, I think it's interesting how quick kids learn the principle of avoiding godly counsel, okay? Let me, give you, let me give you an example of what I'm trying to say. You ever had your kid come to you moms and ask you for something, and you tell them no, and so they go to dad, right, and ask dad the same thing, hoping for a different answer. One morning we're in bed, and Casey Ray gets up really early right now. She gets up like when the sun comes up, and she comes into our room, and I can, you know, you can hear a little pitter-patter of her feet, and so I wake up, and I hear her talking to Darla, and she goes, mom, can you turn the TV on for me to watch a movie? Darla says, no, go lay back down. Darla's stern. She's not playing any games. So I hear a little crying, ah, and the feet run off. So I'm laying there. I'm facing the other way. I start hearing the feet again. But this time, I, instead of hearing them go this way, I can hear them coming in by my feet, and they come right here, and they stop. And I purposely don't open my eyes because I don't even want to play this game. So I'm in there, and I just hear the breathing. And all of a sudden, I hear, Hey, Dad. She got, she's a little country. Hey, Dad. Oh, my eyes. Yes, baby. Can you turn the movie on? And before I could answer, I'm not lying to you, before I could answer, she goes, 
but don't tell mom. <laughs> She's three years old. She's like, can you turn the TV on? But don't tell mom. I'm like, I hate to say this, baby. Mom can hear you. You know what I mean? Like, we, we, we have that deal where we like to go to people. Right? We get this voice. I think I need to marry him. I think I need to date her. And we go to people. You know, I think I should take that job. I think I should quit this job. And we go to people. And when they say, no, you shouldn't, well, I'm not listening to you. I'm going to find somebody else. What about you? What do you think? You think I should do this? No. All right. not going to listen to you either. So what about you, Leroy, who stands on the street? What do you think? You think I should? Yes. Ah, yep. God said I could. We start to dis, you know, misplace the godly counsel. What we need is to put some people in our life who are hardcore, who are willing to tell us what we need to hear and not what we want to hear. Nathan rebuked David when he was dealing with Bathsheba. He had this whole plan made out in this crazy concept of sin, and Nathan came and rebuked him. When Esther was afraid to go before the king to save her people, Mordecai came in and encouraged her. When Aaron was making calves out of earrings and trying to worship him, Moses came down and rebuked him. We need people in our life who will correct us. The problem with us today is we're too soft, right? We don't want to get our feelings hurt. And the first time somebody tells us no or tells us we shouldn't do that, we get offended. And now all of a sudden, I don't want to be around you anymore. Why? Because you didn't tell me what I wanted to hear. God has put us in a place and he says, put wise counsel around you. Put godly people around you who will tell you, no, you shouldn't do that. I don't know what you're hearing, but it's not God. You shouldn't go there. You shouldn't be with them. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't do that. We need to remove that spirit of offense and quit trying to be so soft and let some people in our life tell us whether or not we're hearing from God. Now, again, don't go get some wackos and put them around you and call them godly counsel, right? Again, people who know God, know the word, and know you. Because if we're not careful, listen to me, if we're not careful, we will compromise our destiny on the behalf of wrong company. We, we will compromise what God has called us to do. We will compromise on where God's called us to go because we've surrounded ourselves with wrong company. I'm going to prove it to you. Psalm 1-1, watch this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, okay, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sets in the seat of the scornful. So if you see this, there is a pattern in this verse, if you see it, and it goes from walking to standing to sitting. So the Bible is saying whoever you walk with is eventually who you'll stand with. And whoever you stand with is eventually who you'll sit with. So if you're going to walk with the ungodly, you're going to stand with them. And if you stand with them, you're going to set with them. And watch me. The, the company you keep will decide the placement of your seat. Okay, let me give you an example. You surround yourself with wrong people, they'll put your seat down here. See what I mean? Their expectations will be low. No, you should do that. You should do that. Because I want you, I want you not only do I want you as bad as I'm off, I want you worse off than I am. So you should do that. But when you have godly counsel, their goal is to put you above them. See what I mean? So the company you keep decides the placement of your seat. This all of a sudden makes you think about the people you hang out with, right? Like maybe I should be a little bit more careful about who I'm asking for advice. Yeah, because when you ask them for advice, are they thinking better for you or are they thinking better for them? When you ask them for advice, are they looking at godly principles and what does God have for your life or are they looking more at what's easy and, and simple for you? Because a lot of times God be God's best for you comes through hardship first. 
So if somebody's always worried about, well, I don't want you to go through anything, so let's do that. I don't want you to go through yeah, I'm missing out on the opportunity of growth. Because if I have godly counsel, they're not trying to put me down here. They're trying to lift me up. Every person that's in my counsel, they want me to be above them. They'll say things like, I want you to stand on my shoulders. That's always been my hope for anybody. If I'm going to give any counsel, I want you to be able to get the best that God has for you, even if it's better than even I could imagine. Godly counsel, wise counsel. So when you hear something, number one, does it line up with Scripture? Then number two, what does the godly counsel in my life say about it? Right? If you don't, if, let me just say this real quick. If you're in here, you're like, man, who would my godly counsel be? Obviously, if you're a part of this church, I'm one of your godly counsels. Hope you understand that. That's the role of a pastor. Um, but there are also small group leaders as those things develop. There's also mentors. There's also grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, you know, a uh, friend. There's, you know, it depends on who they are. And what, again, know God, know the word, and know you. But just right off the bat, if you're a woman in here, Darla is a godly counsel to you. A man, me. That, that's, that's just one right off the process. Um, but so you, you take it, you, you take it through scripture. Second, you take it past wise counsel. And then here's the third test, peace. The, the peace test, okay? So God will always, when he speaks, God will always give you peace in your heart of hearts, okay? First Corinthians says it like this. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. If you're confused, it's probably not God. But if you have peace, then you can know that God's speaking to you. So when we were getting ready, to, I can't remember if I ever told this story before. I don't think I have. When we were getting ready to uh, plant the church, let me, let me take you back to where I was. So at this moment in my life, I had the group of people that were moving with me, and I had the name Victory Church. But that's all we had. We didn't have any money. We didn't, have, we didn't know we were coming here. We, we, there was a lot of information we didn't have. We were broke. There was a lot of things that, you know, houses hadn't sold yet. There was a lot of things that were still up in the air and very uncertain. And so I had preached a few youth camps for this pastor, and he called me one time. He said, hey, I want to meet with you. I said, all right, what are we meeting about? He said, well, he, he pastors multiple campuses throughout the Tennessee area, and he said, I'm, I'm wanting to kind of move on to more of like an overseeing role, a consultant where I can travel around, those kind of things. And so I would love to talk to you about hiring you to be the new pastor of these churches. And so I'm like, hmm, again, I didn't have anything. I didn't even have a salary at that moment, right? I had no job. I had nothing. So I'm like, that's interesting. So he said, let's go, let's go to lunch. Let's talk about it. So I had a few days to pray about it. I'm like, God, what is this? Well, you know, this is so weird. This is kind of random. You know, we were going to go plant a church? What am I going to tell all the people that are moving with me? But, you know, this is, this is kind of interesting. But the guy had said on the phone, it comes with a full-time salary. It comes with a building. It comes with some people already in your church, all these kind of things. I'm like, man, that sounds good. So as I'm driving there, I'm just noticing as I'm driving to meet with them, I don't have peace. Like everything sounds great, but I just don't have peace. I, I can't really explain it to you. I think you all kind of know what I'm talking about when you, when you have peace and when you don't have peace. And so I'm driving. So here's what I said. I said, God, the only way I can, I can confirm this, remember I talked to y'all last week about opening closed doors, and that's the way God speaks to me. I said, here's the best thing I can do. If he'll let me name it Victory Church, we'll do it. That'll be confirmation for me because you gave me Victory Church, and I know you did, and it was peace in my heart. So if he says we can name it Victory Church, then that's, that's my open door. And so I go, I sit down, I meet this guy for lunch, and we're sitting there talking. It had to be a two-hour lunch, and he had talked about everything from how much money I was going to make, which was like 100% more than I was making, to, you know, the size of the building, to the location, to the vision, to the plan. It was all sounding great. And for two hours, he talked about all these great things. And you could tell he was wrapping up. You know, he had paid the bill. He was wrapping up. And uh, 
I hadn't even got the chance to ask him yet. And so I was kind of nervous about, you know, when do I say this? You know, and all of a sudden he goes, oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. He said, one more thing, one more thing. And I was like, okay, what's that? And he goes, if you do it, it has to be called Boom Boom, and he, the name of his church. And right then, it, it was like it was like a 100-pound weight had been lifted off of me. And I just looked at him and said, no, sir, this is, this is not what God's called me to do. I had peace at that moment. We got up, we shook hands, we're still great friends, and I'm so glad I walked the path that God had for my life because there was a moment where I had to test it with peace. Peace. Now listen, peace doesn't mean that you won't have any uncertainty. Peace doesn't mean you won't have any fear. And here's why I know that. Because God often speaks to us outside of our logic. And when God gets out of our logic, we get scared. We get uncertain. And so God is the only thing, only person I've ever known who can speak to us, right? And we can be uncertain and yet have 100% peace at the same time. When we were moving here, there were so many things. I remember one time Andrew and Amber, they, they, Andrew's job was going to bring him here and he was going to be able to work at that job and it was all perfect. And I was at a conference and, and I got a text message from Andrew that his job told him, if you move, you're gone. If you stay, you can keep your job, but if you move, you're fired. And I was in, I think I was in Birmingham, Alabama when I heard that. I thought, oh, my goodness. Like, you know, he just went from having a, a secure job to having nothing. And his wife's pregnant with their baby, all this kind of stuff. Like, like what are we going to do, right? What are we going to do? And I remember rushing home to be able to get with them. We, we asked them to go to, to the Mexican restaurant, right, the, the Pentecostal place for eating, um, to, to talk about this. And when I walked in, they were just eating chips and laughing and having a good old time. And I was like, this is weird. You know, I was kind of expecting him to be a little down. And I sat down beside him, and I was like, man, you know, you all right? And he goes, oh, man, we're good. God's got us. And that's what I'm talking about, peace in the middle of uncertainty, right? There's literally a story in the Bible where Jesus is on a boat, and the boat gets into a storm, and Jesus is sleeping. Jesus is sleeping. Because only when you are in the will of God can you have complete peace and be in the middle of uncertainty. So when God speaks to you, you'll know because there'll be peace in your heart about that situation. In Colossians 3.15, Paul said this. He said, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. That word rule right there, the, the Greek word for that, when you define it, the Greek word means umpire or referee. And what they were referring to is back in those days, you remember Roman uh, games, the gladiator games and all that. So they were referring to the umpire, the referees of that. But that word means umpire. So here's what Paul's saying. Let the peace of Christ be the umpire of your life. What does that mean? Let the peace of Christ tell you it's safe or not safe. If you're wondering if it's God, then ask yourself, do you have peace about it? Now, don't lie to yourself, but ask yourself, is there real peace in this situation. So when God's speaking to you, you've got three tests already. When God's speaking to you, it, 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 does it line up with the Word of God? Does it line up with the Word of God? Now, sometimes you're asking for things that may not be so specific to the Word. Does it line up with the Word? Does it line up with the Word? If you still aren't 100% sure, then you move into godly counsel. If it lines up with the Word, now I'm asking godly counsel. All right? Now, now I got godly counsel and I got the Word. Now, now I'm wondering, do I have peace? Do I have peace about it? Right? And then once all those threes line up, then, then there's the last one, and it's the quiet test. So you can see this frame. So whatever you're, being, whatever you're hearing is here, and you've ran it past Scripture, wise counsel, peace, and now there's the quiet test. My daughter recently, let me see this real quick. My daughter recently got a game. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this before. Thank you, both. She got this game that we play all the time, 
And it's very interesting. Scout, I'm going to use you real quick because, you know, in this series, we've just been using people up here every week. So why not just hit the home run with this? Um, so this game is called Hearing Things, okay? And here's how this works. Scout will put this on, and I'll push a button, and it's going to put white noise in his ears, right? And then I'm going to read some stuff on this card, and we're going to see if he can tell what I'm saying. Y'all ready to see this? Let's see how this, you, does your microphone work? Let's see if that works out. Yes. There we go. All right, put those on. All right. Um, here we go. Is it working? Yeah. Can you hear me? What? <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> All right, you ready? Here we go. The first thing is going to be, I'm afraid of airplanes. Oh God, Let's see. All right, look at me. Okay, look at me. I'm afraid of airplanes. Apple fritter of donut. <laughs> Say it again. Say it again. No, no, no. Okay. I'm afraid of airplanes. Did you just cast me out? Let's go. Can't say things like that at church. All right, we'll try it again. Uh, all right, you ready? Uh, oh, boy. Here we go. The fastest mammal. Fast camel. Do it again. <laughs> the fastest mammal is a cheetah. The fastest mammal in the world. No, the fastest mammal. The fastest camel. <laughs> what? <laughs> all, right. all right, hold on. We'll try it again. Here we go. Uh, okay, here we go. I want to hang out with you. Owls, sit, oh, sorry, again. I Owls want to hang out with sit you. on the fruit. Yep. <laughs> I cannot. Oh, my God. Are you ready? I've never heard of him. Oh, sorry? I've never heard of him. Oh, oh it's beeping at me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's going off. Here we go. Do it again. All right, we got a couple more. Prove us something here. All right. Take the dog to David, the groomer. Just say it again. Take the dog. David Nikolaev. To the groomer. To the movies. <laughs> yes. That makes sense. Uh, All right, last one. Here we go. Here we go. Last one. Uh, I've never seen him blink. I've never seen a bee. I've never seen him blink. I've never seen a beast. <laughs> we're, we're gonna get one. I, I've never seen him blink. I've never seen. All right, never mind. All right, all right, stay right there. Okay, let me see your microphone. All right, let me take this off. All right, so I right, stay right here. So I was doing some uh, reading on this concept, and one author said that there are only twelve places in the United States where there is a place of silence. Only 12 places in the entire United States where you can go to a quiet place. Same guy said that we go only three minutes without interruption. Imagine that. That means you, 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 in your entire life, you only go no more than three minutes without an interruption. And then he said this, that from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, you're surrounded by white noise. If you think about it, when you wake up, TV, radio, right, you've got honking horns, you've got people, you got, you're surrounded by white noise. That's what that was, white noise. And so what most of us do is we're surrounded with white noise and we're trying our best to focus and see if we can hear God's voice. Is that, I don't, is that God? I don't really recognize what he's saying. Wait, and we're just surrounded with white noise. And one of the best tests you can ever do to know are you hearing from God is to get yourself away from white noise and to get yourself in a quiet place and give you the opportunity to hear from God. When I met Darla and we started dating, I knew pretty quick I was going to marry her. But I didn't look then like I look now. Okay, so Darla had a Dodge truck. She was a country girl. I had a Mazda 626 on 20-inch chrome rims. Okay, I had shorts with crispy white Air Force Ones, if you know anything about that. I had the long chain that you get from the people at the store in the middle of the mall. You know what I mean? Uh, big diamond earrings, and I even had up here the cartilage pierced. 
I often, I had the buzz hair because my hair at the time was Eminem, and I often wore a hat on backwards, so I had the white t-shirt with the jean shorts and the Air Force Ones, and I'll never forget this. I went to go see her play softball one time in a, in a game, and her parents, I was sitting on the front seat, her parents, she didn't even introduce me to them. They saw her, saw me and said, who is that? She was like, I don't know, just a friend from church. Wouldn't even, we were dating, guys. Wouldn't even tell me, she was so ashamed of me. And so when they finally found out who I was, they were like, uh, I, you know, he don't really look like the kind of people you would date. And, he, you know, he don't really sound like the kind of people you would date. So I don't, I, we don't, we don't, and then here's the thing her dad asked her, what do y'all even have in common? And so that kind of shook her a little bit and started having doubts that I was the one. But I, I just knew from day one, so I just continued on that path. And I'll never forget this. She told me, she said, you know what, Troy, I, I had all this wise counsel but I couldn't hear them correctly. She said, I was going through comparing all this process. And she said, what I had to do finally is I just had to get away from every voice in my life and shut myself away with God. And when she shut herself away with God, it was at that moment that she heard God confirm to her that we were supposed to be married. Listen to me, church. We have so much white noise in our life that when we hear something, we can run it past scripture. We can take it to godly counsel. We can even say we have peace. But at the end of the day, we're still trying to read God's lips. We're still trying our best to figure out what is he saying to us because there's so much white noise going on in our lives. Everybody's speaking into your life and everybody's telling you what you should do and what you shouldn't do and how you should do it. And if we want to be able to hear the voice of God correctly, at some point we're going to have to learn to withdraw from white noise and get around a quiet place. One of the biggest hit movies that have come out this year is a movie called The Quiet Place. And it's a hit because majority of the movie is complete silence. And I remember we were there with some friends and I remember us talking and we were like, this is the weirdest thing. And I thought about this later and I said, you know what, I don't think it was weird because we were in a movie theater. I think it was weird because I'm never in complete silence. I have two motor, motor mouth children and a life. And I'm never in complete silence. And isn't it amazing that once we can remove those things, remove that white noise, and now we can clearly hear the voice of God? Because let's just try this out. Look at me. I've never heard of him. I've never heard of him. Oh, wow. You heard me. Okay. That's cool. Let's try another one. <laughs> this is great. I thought you'd be taller. I thought you'd be <laughs> See what I mean? Now we can hear clearly, right? Now all of a sudden what was hard to hear is easy to hear. Now we know God's language. Now we know how God speaks to us. Now we know how to recognize if it's God's voice. Pastor Troy, I'm hearing this. Well, did you put up the scripture? Yeah. Did you ask godly counsel? Yeah. Do you have peace about it? Yeah. Did you get along with God? Yeah. Well, then that was God's voice. And here's where I think we're moving. I think we're getting to a place, watch this, where when we can remove white noise and get into a quiet place, we can hear the whisper of God, and now we can pray our bravest prayer. Where God is taking us and taking you and taking your family, it calls for your bravest prayer. But you'll never be able to pray for it if you don't know how to clearly hear the voice of God. And so I just want to take a moment. I thought it'd be cool. You, you can go wherever you need to go. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have kept it here that long. To just kind of, I'll take your seat. Be silent together for a moment. 
Because when do you do it? How many have kids again? Raise your hand if you have kids again. So you never have silence. Okay, we know that. How many of you that don't have kids are married? Yep, you don't have silence either. How many of you work jobs? You don't have silence either. When's the last time we were just silent in the presence of God? So close your eyes. Just give yourself a second to be able to hear from God. I think some of you came in this morning and you've been wondering about something. And this is what you've needed is a, is a moment of silence in the presence of God. If it's not coming through affirmation and acceptance and affection, it's not God. Some of you, he'll speak through people. He'll speak through pain, your desires, doors, the Holy Spirit, dreams, nature. And now that I'm hearing, how am I recognizing the voice of God? Was it, is it lining up with Scripture? Yes. Does it get approved by godly counsel? Yes. Do I have peace? Yes. So then now I just sit in the quietness of God. And allow him to confirm in my heart that I hear from God. Keep your eyes closed. Give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken and great are your Lord. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you, only you, great.
we love you. It's your breath in our lungs. We give you praise this morning. We thank you for your voice. We thank you that you're still speaking. Lord, it's our desire as a church, as a people, to hear your voice. To respond to it. We love you, Jesus. And we thank you for who you are.